Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Kevin Phipps. How you doing? I'm ready to enter my name in the transfer portal. You are? Seems like the thing to do these days. Man, I've really uh, enjoyed you on the site. Do we need to put together like a bigger NIL package to re-recruit you? <laughs> uh, you know, we can we can see what uh, what Division Street can put together. You you did just tell me that you hate writing about basketball, which is what we need right now. So I don't know. Like you, I, I might need to let you go to free see if we can pick up somebody better in free agency. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk about that towards the end of the podcast. But uh, more pressing matters first. Uh, Oregon signed for early signing day uh, this year. Its best recruiting class uh, in program history. Um, you wrote up sort of the overview of it. Um, we are going to, uh, uh, on the site, uh, break it up into four different chunks by sort of position group clusters. Um, in fact, you already wrote one of them on the offensive line. We'll talk about that a little later in the podcast, but, uh, since you were good enough to write up sort of the entire, um, uh, a recruiting class as an overview. Uh, I, I thought we would talk about that article. Um, you certainly put a lot of work into it, you know, gathering up, you know, all those different dudes and, and putting a, together a blurb on all of them. Um, uh, because, you know, the, the class as a whole, you know, deserves to be talked about. Um, there's, there's a lot that goes into a class that's beyond, you know, the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh what did you you know beyond just the you know it's been widely observed and we don't need to do do much more of it that this was a really good recruiting class it ranked very highly it's the number one class in the big 10 where oregon is going to be going in 2024 which like that's a hell of a thing you know they flipped a, a receiver from ohio state which was like pretty key to defeating them at least in that metric um you know uh uh uh, <laughs> uh, uh miami wine wound up uh, uh beating them and, and, and so they're number four and oregon's number five at least according to 247 although i don't know why anybody's committing to mario cristobal i watched them play a bowl game today uh we're recording on thursday night um, in which, you know, I continue to be astonished about why anybody's recruiting or committing to Mario Cristobal. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, what did you think, you know, beyond just the fact it's a highly rated class, what did you think about the class as a, you know, as a whole? I, well, you know, everyone talks about the rating. What I saw first and I, and I made sure I put it pretty high in the article was, uh, you know, Dan Lanning flipped a couple commits, um, he signed some people that weren't even on our recruiting radar, you know, me watching the the recruits and who's committed and who's, you know, other places. Um, the big thing to me was he started the day with 24 verbal commits and every single one of them signed yep. their letter of intent. Right. That is the biggest thing. I think it might be 23 and 23 out of 23, but everyone who was committed at the beginning of the day signed their letter of intent. And that is absolutely unheard of in the current, you know, flip-flopping pancake style. Perfect defense. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect defense, which you expect from a defensive-minded coach. Yeah, right. Um, And that that is, to me, his a testament to him, not only as a recruiter, but as a, as a, like, relationship builder. Mm. You know, he, he's recruiting these, these guys, he's getting their commitments but then he's staying with them. He's staying active on them. You know, there were several in in home visits in the the last few days leading up to. Yeah, uh, and I mean, these guys had interests, right? Oh yeah. You know, like we were on flip watch for you know, so you know, McCrory, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, you know, a bunch of others. You know, 
they had interests and then, you know, they would pick up that dude's hat and, and yeet it off the stage, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, they would. So but I, my favorite ones are the, uh, the players. And this doesn't actually happen with Oregon commits as well, but it's pl- players committing elsewhere, picking up Oregon hats and throwing them. And we're sitting there going, did we even offer them a scholarship? Yeah, who? <laughs> <laughs> so. So yeah, so the three- I, I like the the hat theory people who are like that's that's not a real Oregon hat that you got that at the the gas station. Come on, I know that <laughs> that wasn't a real Oregon offer because they would have sent you a real hat. Yeah, lids <laughs> got it at lids at the mall. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that's my my big takeaway just at the beginning is is holding on to the commits that he had, going and fishing, you know, out of. SE or out of uh, SC's territory, pulling you know recruits right out of Lincoln Riley's backyard. That's the icing on the cake. Not to mention we we grabbed a few out of uh, out of Washington that were very high on UW's radar. So anytime mm-hmm. we can take recruits away from USC and UW, I'm happy about it. Hey, look, that's another thing. You know, they they didn't have any flips from Washington, but I know that they had, you know, several players that, uh, you know, Washington was highly interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Washington, the the program did not sign anybody uh, from the state of Washington, which is quite interesting given that how reliant that program has been on king county all-stars uh for as long as i can remember uh not they really ever pan out um (laughs) in addition to the fact that you know oregon is a national brand and recruits nationally which you can definitely see just you know look at the states that you know oregon recruited from you know they they you know they as you noted in your article it's it's not just the you know the usual suspects you know nine from the state of california but actually let's talk about that as a separate topic but but you know put a pin in that come back to it but like you know three from arizona uh uh two from missouri uh two from washington uh, a, a kid from Alabama, a kid from Maryland, a kid from Oklahoma, a kid from Texas, a kid from Utah, a kid from the uh, from D.C. You know, yep. what, a bun- bunch of East Coast, Central Coast, you know, kids or Central Coaching time out of zone SEC kids. territory also. Yeah, exactly. And the the two uh, receivers that they flipped, which programs did they flip them from? Ohio State and USC. Who are what what conference <laughs> big 10 right you know they didn't you know they, they didn't you know they 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 not only played offense you know they they weakened their you know their their conference opponents you know yeah yeah interesting um yeah there's there's a lot of flex you know another, another fun flex in it is uh defensive talent the top 10 defensive talents west of texas we signed six of them mm-hmm. usc six or USC, seven yeah six or seven yeah usc got one or Washington seven of the zero. top 11 yeah yeah it's but you usc got one washington got zero yeah talk about your your yeah and like alabama brand. got like three <laughs> yeah well alabama. alabama's gonna get top, right. alabama gets who they want you know by and large and then they end up in the transfer portal in two years it's yeah. just like texas a&m gets who they want and then they end up in the transfer hey, portal you know Oregon got Kyrie jackson on the rebound i like yeah he worked out pretty well uh, yeah. um the uh uh but hey california you know like uh, you know i remember when lincoln riley arrived at uh at usc you know, there were quite a few predictions that like the, the era of Oregon picking up, you know, DeAnthony Thomas's out of USC's backyard was over. In fact, I was personally in told that by the publisher of uh, USC's 247 site uh, from from him to me um, that that was never going to happen again now that Lincoln Riley was in town. And, um, you know. Here, here we are two years later, and Oregon continues to just dominate California recruiting. And, you know, Lincoln Riley makes excuses about like, well, we got to we, we want to make sure that we're recruiting, you know, just because they're California kids doesn't mean they're right for our program. You know, that's yeah. that's real interesting. You know, <laughs> that's like the six five stars out of his last two signing classes that have transferred out. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, look, man, so, uh, I, 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 I do enough uh, studying of rosters and uh, to know that, like, look, you know, dudes are going to transfer out and not everybody's going to pan out you know the rule of thirds is there like i you know anybody who's just like oh look at all the guys who transferred out your program has a problem like that that or at least simply looking at the numbers and saying x number of players transferred out your program has a problem is puerile uh, analysis now if it's you know that dude's a huge producer for you you really needed him and he transferred out okay you know now let's talk um you know but but if it's like yeah you cleared out your bench you know the the bench warmers like yeah that's the correct thing to do like the programs that i get on you know that i criticize are the ones that like that kept all their bench warmers didn't clear them out so that they could go get guys who are more likely to be contributors. Like those are the ones that have a problem. Those are the ones who like, you know, have a culture of, you know, sentimentality and wastefulness and they're keeping guys around who could be contributing at like a different level. And instead out of a, a wrong-headed form of sentimentality are are hanging on to guys and not doing them any favors. So, like, yeah, all right. So sorry to go on a little rant, but you know, no, it's all right. You, you triggered me there, Kevin, with your like, oh, they had five stars transferring out. I'm like, hold on, you can't just automatically say that that's that's bad. What you can say is bad is when you're not signing blue chips. Um, it, uh. Uh, because like do it's a numbers game you know you have to like this is the thing about the rule of thirds is that like it, uh, so the thing about the in case anybody hasn't heard me say this before i don't know i feel like i say it on, on every podcast that i'm ever on but like look man it's just the law of averages governs everyone it is uh, uh, irresistible math is undefeated the, the the rule of thirds in recruiting is that if you need one guy you need to recruit three guys because if you like rule of thirds means one dude's gonna pan out or one third of whatever like tranche you've gotten, one third is going to pan out. One third is going to wash out and one third is going to be like in between, you know, they'll contribute a bit and then they'll get hurt or, you know, they'll, the, the, there'll be a career backup. Who's okay, but not great, you know, in between uh, it's an iron law. And, and everybody who tries to convince themselves that like, oh, my program's fantastic developers, so we do better than a third, but your program are lousy so that you get like more than a third, you know, washing out. Like, no, they don't. It absolutely does not happen. And, and the way that I know that you're not actually like really looking at rosters and studying this in a comprehensive way is that you believe that. Because anybody who believes that, it, like by definition, it means that you haven't actually looked at the numbers in a comprehensive way because no comprehensive evaluation of, of the numbers would support that conclusion at any program, at any time, at any place. Uh, it, the rule of thirds is undefeated. So anyway, uh, if you need one guy, you need to recruit three. If you need three guys, you need to recruit nine. If you need six guys, you need to recruit 24. So the 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 thing is like you get where i'm going with this mm -hmm. the 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 problem with the sentimentality and like keeping a bunch of dudes on your bench who are never going to play is like that means that that's fewer dudes that you can recruit that means fewer raffle tickets that you bought right fewer raffle tickets that you buy mean fewer chances to win you, what you need to be doing is clearing out your bench, buying more raffle tickets, right? And getting more four stars because the more force, you know, the more blue chips that you get, <coughs> the, the more bites of the boy. I'm really mixing metaphors here, but yeah. like you need to go get 30 dudes so that you have a chance so, so that you get 10. So you can like more or less guarantee that you'll have 10 blue chips who work out out of that class. Oh yeah, and then you stack that with thirty blue chips from the next class, of which ten will work out. And hey, there's your two deep, right? Mm -hmm. 
uh, that's how it works. Yeah. So, well, and the problem is if you aren't getting 30 blue chips every year, you're trying to go with like 20 blue chips. Well, 20 or 21 blue chips for the sake of math means you only are going to get seven who work out. And now you're shorthanded or you're relying on Jags. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with Jags. No, there is something wrong with Jags. They're not as good as the the the, the top level performers. True. Well, it's I, I actually just uh, looking like a true Jag, Kevin. Yeah, I... <laughs> you're, you're the, the, the ATQ's Jag. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. That's why I'm transferring. Not getting the playing time. Uh-huh. Um, well, so you haven't written about basketball <laughs> this this month, so. Uh, tomorrow's assignment list. Kevin's writing all of the basketball. Yeah, I know, man. Um, but just on a whim, I actually pulled up the 2014 roster to look at the national title. Last time Ducks played for a national title, mm-hmm. and I was looking. I'm looking at it, and there are two five I love stars. That the last time, there's been multiple times now. Yeah, the think. most recent time. Um, there are two five stars on that roster that that I look at and remember them mm-hmm. being five stars. I, I think there might be more, but one of them is, is a uh, Thomas Tyner. And another one mm-hmm. is Arian Springs, who was yeah. a freshman at the time. And I don't think mm-hmm. played in the national title game, but uh, not in that game. No. Yeah. So, you know, teams have gotten there to the, to the dance with out five stars. Meanwhile, the Ohio state team that they played, had a five-star third-string quarterback who yeah. ran all over us. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's so there's numbers. something to be said about it. You, it's a numbers game. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus Mariota was a three-star. Justin yeah. Herbert was a three-star. You know, yeah, every now and, and like, then you look, find those gems. Yeah, it's but. true. Like, it, it's true. It, the, the problem is when you convince yourself that, like, that, oh, oh I'm just always going to do that. And, and it's like, you know, man, you, that's not, that's not how statistics work, you know, like, and convincing yourself that, you know, like, they, like that's, you got lucky, you know, or like, that's, you know, like you have much lower odds of hitting on that. Like, go mm-hmm. look at the NFL draft. Like, yeah, you're right. There are some, you know, the, 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 there are, you know, some two stars and three stars and FCS guys. And, you know, you're right. There are, you know, some of those, the, the vast majority of them were five stars and high four stars out of high school. They were exactly what the recruiting services said they would would be, you know, like that might be my next uh, column that I do some research on is finding out if the, the three stars that make it overwhelmingly come from areas outside of the major recruiting hotbeds oh you mean so that the services didn't have a good look at them yeah because you know texas texas you know high school football is effectively college light with how much coverage it gets that is that it's one of the reasons that people theorize that the um the uh uh why fcs playoffs are dominated by the like the the shield states you know the the north dakota and Mm -hmm. and montana and you know etc is that like the recruiting services can't don't want to freeze their butts off going up there and looking at those players so there's probably some they all wind up at fcs schools and (laughs) you know i don't know there could i mean there could be or i could make you write about basketball um uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, I'm just gonna say I I I was a cheerleader in high school. I didn't play football, but uh-huh. I watched a lot of football. And then I was a cheerleader in college, and I watched a lot of football. And then I played intramural flag football against Tommy Chang and two of his star wide receivers. And I played free safety, and I was unimpressed. And that was the year Tommy Chang had like the NCAA record for passing yards mm-hmm. like compared to, game, man. compared to what i saw standing on the sideline in high school to what i saw on the field in college i was like i don't think these guys are any better than what i was seeing in high school like and mm-hmm. I, I you know i went to high school in oregon i you know we played against sheldon sheldon produced some division one talent that year D- sheldon did not have the best receivers in our in our league <laughs> 
It just mm-hmm. got better, better exposure. So, it, you know, I think that recruiting services focus on those recruiting hotbeds because one, there's a lot more people. So there's a lot more high schools closer together. So you can see a lot of, you know, you can get to a lot of games in one night um, if you have to. And two, it's, you know, just by volume, there's more players there. So you figure if you, if you grab the top 1% out of Houston, you know, you've got to take the entire state of Oregon, Washington, and Idaho to get the same population. Ah, uh, man, I think you're probably. I mean, like, you're, there's always going to be edge cases, and there's probably a path defendants effect. Like, if the recruiting services say you're good, and then that means you get exposure, and then the exposure means you get to play, and then you play means you get to go to the NFL, and then if my evaluative criteria for the recruiting services is you made it to the NFL, well, then that's tautological based on the path dependence, you know, question. Like, okay, mm-hmm. fine, but like. On the other hand, I watch a lot of film, man, and like, dude, I, I I watch four stars beat up on Jags like all day long. Like, uh, like I, I really probably think you're talking about edge cases. Uh, I, I, although I would be willing to buy that, there's probably there's probably guys who are getting missed on at a higher rate outside of the hotbeds. Like the, the the services miss rate outside the hotbeds is probably higher than the services miss rate inside the hotbeds. That that mm-hmm. seems like a supportable hypothesis. Um, anyway, let's go back to talking about this class. Uh, yep. The the other thing that I noticed about it that I really liked um, simply because I I edited your article, uh, which was uh, not organized, and I edited into an organized manner. Uh, uh, I, I think had you, them by order of signing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, which is like random. So I put it in order of positions. Um, so what I noticed is it's 12 offensive recruits and 13 defensive recruits. Hey, look, class balance. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, uh, it's one quarterback, one uh, running back, um, six uh, guys who catch the ball, sort of depending on how you like. There's a tight end who might be a wide receiver. So I'm just, you know, like two guys who are probably tight ends and four guys who are probably wide receivers. But I'm just going to say six guys who catch the ball, yep. four offensive linemen. Um, you, you know, uh, let's say five guys on the defensive front, you, you know, uh, three linebackers, five defensive backs, you know, like, oh man, like, you know, what great, you know, it's just like perfectly balanced, you know, just as it should be, you know, like, uh, you know, really great class balance because Oregon's roster was already balanced, right? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, First of all, I, I mean, I study so many rosters and so many of them are sort of like out of whack because, you know, the coach is just like, they're sort of snatching up kids where they can find them. Oh, you're willing to come to my school. Oh, great. You know, great. You know, oh yeah. You know, and so they'll take like, oh man, 12 linebackers, you know, all in the same class. And then three years later, they're all, you know, or four years later, whatever. It's like, wait, all my linebackers are gone. Oh my God. I got to get 12 more linebackers, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, so there it's this constant like herky jerky you know, thing where it's like, okay, I got to fill in where my absences were. And, you know, so they're constantly sort of imbalanced um, in, in where you want to be. And there's multiple different ways to be imbalanced because there's multiple different axes, right? There's, there's the position group axis. There's the age axis. There's the playing time axis, which doesn't exactly track on the age axis. Um, um, and and so anyway where where you want to be is in a position where your roster is balanced now so that each layer of recruiting class that you add to it can also be balanced and so it's just like like sedimentary layers you're just adding nice smooth balanced class on top of balanced class on top of balanced class it's each getting divided up by the rule of thirds so that you clear out the washouts comfortably you know like yeah this is the pipeline you know like this is how you you go like this is this is how football factories work you know like i i in addition to studying all these 
Pac-12 schools that are all like herky-jerky, bespoke, hand-tailored, you know, I got to throw together whatever I can throw together. I also study programs like Georgia and Ohio State and Oklahoma and, you know, all these blue bloods, right? And, uh, and I'm also putting together because I, I have to, because of the, the transition, Michigan, right? Like I'm putting together all, all these, you know, uh, Penn state, right. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and what I'm seeing are, are football factories, you know, where it's like, first of all, they, they do not construct their class out of the transfer portal for certain programs who have convinced themselves which appear to be like all three of the Pac-12 programs that are going to the Big Ten alongside Oregon who've all convinced themselves like oh we don't need to do high school recruiting now like we just uh we'll we'll just uh do, do it all through the transfer portal that works like you know what programs don't do that is the actual blue bloods right like that all of those just do like they just do like real high school recruiting and then they occasionally like they they patch a hole with the transfer portal um like they're not building their entire class of the transfer portal like give me a break dude like and you definitely can't build your offensive line that way like because the the other like pattern that i've observed is that like transfer portal based offensive lines are just universally catastrophe so mm-hmm. like good luck good luck playing in an uh, in a trench based conference with that approach you jags uh <laughs> jags of the recruiting and roster management world uh so anyway th- th- that's number one number two is like the class balance thing you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, like build a nice balanced class and stack it on top of another nice balanced class and another nice balanced class and another nice balanced class. Like, yeah. And yeah, and I don't like think that you're going to recruit new starters every season. And, and that, that message goes out mostly to the fans because I, I see the message boards, people talking about this recruit and that recruit and who, the, you know, this guy's going to absolutely be this role. And it's like, or instant impact, like the measure of a class is yeah. how many instant impact, impact true freshman com, uh, contributors you've got. And it's like, no, that's not really not, that's really not a good metric. You know, no. the, if you're leaning on instant impact, true freshman, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You're, you're not developing the talent that you signed the previous year. You're not retaining talent that you signed the year before that. You know, if, if you get if you need new freshman blood to shore up your you know any any position whether you need a five star quarterback to come in and start on day 1 because you don't have anyone else on the roster or you need pass catchers or a new offensive line or new linebackers in the you know in the recruiting class you could pick up you can patch some holes with transfer portal sure but you need to be like you said recruiting balanced classes Every year, you need to be developing the talent that you get, both the four star, four and five stars that turn out to be not as good as you thought they were, and the three stars who turn out to be better than everybody thought they were. Mm. You know, if you you look at the teams well, that are or just who are good. developmental, like they were always developmental, or they play positions that by their nature, those dudes don't come out of high school, you yeah. know, ready to play college ball. And if you don't, if you haven't, don't have a solid developmental (coughs) program for that position and you're either asking true freshmen to play or trying to get portal guys to play, what you're going to find out is you're not good at that position. Yeah. And you won't find out until the season starts. Yeah. When all of your dreams get smashed. Um, Colorado. Mm-hmm. That is a prime example. Oh, so that one. Anyway, um, the uh, the so I'm a little more you were phrasing it as uh, uh, true freshman bad. I'm more agnostic on the question, like, you know, as 
as Dan Lanning likes to say, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that's actually more the appropriate approach. Like if you have guys who are ready to contribute as true freshmen, go ahead. That's fine. It doesn't mean bad things necessarily. Um, it's, uh, I, I'm just sounding the caution that like, if your evaluative criteria for a class is number of guys who can play as a true freshman, like you're, you're evaluating wrong. Like that, that's not how you should be evaluating. Like, um, because doing so dismisses the, the, the value of positions that are inherently developmental in nature. Um, and don't do that because there are lots of, of such positions. Um, and we're going to dive into the offensive line and this is going to well, be exactly what we're talking about. You know what? That's actually a good time to, to make that transition. So let's take a break. Um, and when we uh, come back, we'll talk about the offensive line recruits. So that was the next article that you wrote um, was you got the uh, chunk of the recruiting class that was the uh, the four offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. um, you pulled up their uh, their huddle film uh, and and um, in, embedded it into the article, which is really good. Like an, anybody can go watch those guys play in high school. Um, you know, offensive line is. Uh, Offensive line tape from high school is in many ways the most difficult to watch or not difficult to watch like, oh, my God, my eyes. But like a lot of times offensive linemen in high school are winning just because they're like they're just freaks of nature who are way bigger than the little dudes that they're playing against. And they just sort of lean on them, you know, and it's like what you're looking for it, um, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, linemen is like everything else, you know, you're, you're looking for athleticism. You're looking for bend. You're looking for technique and footwork. You're looking for, uh, not doing bad things like lunging, you know, uh, you're looking for guys playing with a flat back instead of, you know, curving or bending, uh, bending their back. I mean, you do want to see bend at the knees and, and the waist, or you, you don't want to see bending at the waist. You want to see bending at the knees. Um, you want to see sink in the hips. You want to see extension to the arms. You want to see, you know, hand placement. Um, you don't necessarily need to see super advanced technique because that can be taught, but you don't, you, you kind of, you kind of want to see bad. You don't want to see that many bad habits because that will sort of delay development because you got to train bad habits out of a dude before you can, you know, really train good habits into a dude. So that's what I was, you know, watching this huddle tape for. Uh, what, what's your review of these guys? Uh, you know, it's funny as you were saying that I was like, are you reading my write up on Fox crater? <laughs> it <laughs> says rarely is watching film of offensive linemen. Tons of fun. You look for movement, hand placement, and the ability to react. So, uh, no, I, 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 uh, I actually commented in that, you, you know, watching offensive line film, you're right. It's not a ton of excitement i mean yeah the the highlights that they put in their huddle film is definitely people getting tossed aside but you know watching a watching a 365 pound man child hurl aside a 145 pound defensive back you know makes my back hurt because i was that 145 defensive back <laughs> and there is definitely plenty of that from our offensive line recruits but one of the things that i did um my big takeaway was these are all these are all violent human beings that get downfield and they do so in a hurry. You know, they, they finish blocks. I did they, like, I did notice that from all four of these guys is they made a point of putting in their huddle film. Hey, you know, prospective coaches look at me running down field mm -hmm. and blocking, which I like. Yeah. I like seeing that. Yeah. Any, anytime you see a 300 mountain, 300 pound man you know 15 yards downfield hitting a free safety mm. you're just like oh this is going to be fun to watch <laughs> over the next yeah. few years and and that's and that was my i mean i can say that about all of them because they like, all are athletic big men you yeah because you want to see yeah you you want to see the ability to move like uh, you want you want to see you know nimbleness on their feet not just mm -hmm 
I'm big. You know, you want to see the ability to, sh to shepherd that mass and mm -hmm. you want to see, you know, you know, actual core athleticism, um, you know, regardless of size, you, you're, you're always looking for athletes. Um, you know, and you know, this, this ain't the air raid, you know, Will Stein doesn't run the air raid. And even a couple of years down the line of Will Stein is not Oregon's offensive coordinator, but somebody else, like I'm fairly confident it ain't going to be, you know, the air raid. It, it ain't going to be, you know, just stand in the pocket with, you know, battleships as your offensive lineman, you know, and, and just throwing passes like Oregon's always going to, uh, or at least for the foreseeable future, always want to get, you know, have guys that can really move, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, that, that, that have significant, you know, you know, to, to, to run your gap schemes, to run downfield screen passes, you know, to, or to block downfield on screen passes, um, you, you know, uh, to, to, to have that, you know, that level of athleticism, like, yeah, that's important. Yeah. So uh, do you want to like just go walk through them one at a yeah, time? Sure. And, okay. So uh, ja Jaquan McCroy um, is instantly the largest body on our roster. Six, eight, 365 pounds. Unless, unless we somehow manage to land this a uh, six ten kid that's still out there. Um, he, he is a man among boys in his high school film. Mm -hmm. And when he gets to the college level, and from Alabama, like and he yeah. plays at like a high level of Alabama football, yeah, which plays is like saying something. Yes, you know, and it's not like he was going up against Jags. You yeah, know? right. He he was going up against four and five star talent, um, you know, on a pretty regular basis, and still manhandling people. But when you're that big, you kind of get to. Um, but great athleticism, especially for a man his size. Just getting downfield, you know, throwing aside a you know nearly 300 pound defensive lineman chucking a 240 pound linebacker and then just absolutely flattening a, you know, buck 60 defensive back in a single play. Just, I'm going to hit everybody. Um, you know, yeah, just the way he moves is just, for a guy who's like 365 pounds. It's just like, that's unreal. Yeah. And, and moves with a purpose, you know, um, <laughs> it's just, the, it's not okay. He's a he's a big guy who can, can kind of get his feet under him and and get. He picks up a head of steam, but he he seeks out additional blocks. It's not like okay, I'm just going to go hit the next guy. He follows the play, and you see it. You know, as the play progresses, he's looking for the block that's going to help his team. Yeah, and and that is very important. You know, especially on in Will Stein's offense, where you know there yeah. there's these pins and pulls. There's lots of downfield blocking assignments. And I, I see great potential for him. Um, I, I think that, uh, I don't, you know, if we want to dive in, I don't think that he's going to be a day one starter, uh, because yeah, I don't, I mean, for one thing, far. I think he needs to, to, uh, I think he needs to lose a little weight. Yeah. Like, I think he's going to slim down a bit. Yeah. Um, right. but, I mean, I, it's just like 365 is just not playing weight. You know, I, I don't care what your height is like that's like nobody plays at 365. Like his ideal playing weight is probably closer to like 340 or lower, maybe like 335, mm -hmm. which is probably like a good solid year um, in the weight room. Um, but Oregon can afford it. Like I, I you know, Connor Lee's is going to come back. Uh, Cornelius is probably going to come back. Like I, he could go to the NFL. He's draft eligible at this point, but I suspect he'll come back. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think that Oregon's going to want to play him as a true freshman. Like I, I think that I, I think McCrory is probably going to take a year. Although I would not be surprised in the slightest if he's a starter as a redshirt freshman in 2025. Yeah. And, and the, the other, uh, my comment was if he wanted to play early, um, like get, get into the rotation, it'll probably be at right tackle. So that yeah. was just, that was just my observation. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think, you know, barring some catastrophe uh, or another like, yeah, I think that that, that dude is, uh, you know, that, that dude's a future starter for Oregon. Um, it's also interesting, like three of the four guys that they recruited are tackles. You know, they, they, they have spent the last year, arguably two years getting interior guys in which they really loaded up on tackles um 
uh, uh, the, 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 so then the the next one that they got was uh, Fox Crater um, yep. from across from across the river in Washington. Actually, like all of the next three guys are all basically local kids. Um, if you consider Vancouver, Washington, to be a suburb of Portland, which I do, uh, considering the number of Washington license plates I have to dodge in traffic because um, none of those people know how to drive and they're all tax cheats. Um, uh, yeah, so um, the 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 latest uh, 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 Vancouverite to come to Portland for work is Fox Crater. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, another tackle. Uh, what'd you see on his film? Uh, it's another one that that loves getting after the secondary blocks. He he finishes his initial assignments, gets into the second level. Um, he's probably one of the faster. Uh, o-line recruits this year just watching the tape and the way he moves and that might be because he's he's uh, at only 285 pounds he might be a little mm-hmm. undersized for tackle um and yeah he'll bulk up that's that's another one who's yeah you know re- redshirt freshman at the earliest yeah and and you know he could could shift inside i don't think he needs to uh, uh, not but, at six six that that guy's a tackle all day yeah um, i mean look at his arms well yeah yeah, super long arms, uh, but really good feet. You know, great foot movement. Ladder, you know, never seemed to be flat-footed. Um, in the the tape I was watching, you know, would love to see what he what he does when he bulks up a little bit with a year in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but has a mean streak. That there were some of some oh, of yeah. the uh, the highlights that I was watching. It's like, all right, play went away from him. You know, he could just he could just yeah, kind of get in someone's way, guy. and he's still yeah. just bodying people like no 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 he's having fun (laughs) you're you're facing you're facing the other way i get to hit you yeah but you're right about his footwork too you know like that that's the thing uh you know like that i'm really looking for is like not like especially with tackles who are taking on um you know the pass rush is like not lunging you know like not you know bending at the waist and uh like anticipating the attack and reaching out for it because that's how you rob yourself of power right like because your your power comes from when your center of gravity is between your feet and like and you're able to you know you 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 know you 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 keep your feet moving you know but you keep your you sort of are shuffling your feet and you keep your center of gravity between your feet and you 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 keep yourself you know between you and the quarterback so that mm-hmm. you know the 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 rusher has to you know get through you and you know but you wait for him to engage you you don't go like lunging after him um and and uh, and, and and in order to maintain that you know that angle you have to constantly be making all these little micro adjustments with your feet because you can't be flat footed, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so like, that's what I'm doing. I'm watching feet, 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 you know, if you can't lie and like, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's all I like watching is his feet, you know, his feet are always in the right position. Um, Cause like, yeah, that, that's how you, that's how you retain your power is with your footwork. Yeah, and and him and and all of them really, but uh, Fox Crater and Devin Brooks were two that jumped out to me of not letting anyone into their body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, that's where his arms come into play. Is like, yeah. I mean, no, nobody that he's going to be playing against in high schools. Like, I you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. But I mean, how could you? Mm-hmm. No, like, no one's getting inside his guard. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't think he he somebody somebody in this recruiting class wrestled i can't remember who it is it wouldn't be fair to allow him to wrestle um no one would ever get inside his guard like his arms are too long like it would just be impossible um yeah like yeah like like there there isn't a defensive lineman alive that he would encounter and probably not that he would encounter but for maybe one or two exceptions in his entire <coughs> collegiate career that could they could get to his body like his, his just his arms are too long like yeah yeah 
I mean, unless he makes a mistake and, and, and lunges, you know, leans into it. But like, that's why I'm saying is like, what what I really appreciate about his footwork is that he doesn't make those mistakes and he's not making those mistakes as a, as a high schooler, which is like, okay, that's something for coach Terry to work with. You know, he doesn't need to start by, you know, working a, you know, bad technique out of him. I really dug that. Uh, and then another local guy, uh, uh, Devin Brooks from uh, Clackamas High School, uh, uh, just a little ways away uh, from me in Portland. Um, uh, the one interior offensive lineman in the class, at least I expect so. You know, he's six four. Um, uh, what'd you see in Devin Brooks' film? Uh, Devin Brooks is he's better and this isn't a dig against his pass blocking he's good in pass blocking but he is a road grader in run blocking schemes Mm -hmm. um you know another one finishing blocks great athleticism getting downfield hand placement you know redirecting people that were that were trying to run past him just that's what i that's the the redirection yeah um and just strong enough to hold off the bull rushes Mm -hmm. you know which you getting bull rushed from someone at, at Clackamas high school, you mm-hmm. know, not, not the, the top tier D potential D one talent across from you, but you know, playing against central Catholic and yeah. Lake Oswego. These are, these are schools that are sending people to division one schools. So, uh, so it's facing off against some good talent, but just not, you're not getting around him, you know, <laughs> your your best bet is to, to tie him up and let someone else try and get through. Um, and uh, he also played some of his highlights are actually from D line. And uh, again, athleticism shines taking on double teams, still disrupting the play and just an absolute mauler um, being interior. He played tackle in high school, but he's going to be interior in, in, in college. Um, but the fact that he played D line and not, you know, not every offensive lineman also plays D line though. A lot of them do uh, that might help him adjust to the college game. Just knowing what the defensive linemen are up to. Oh, sorry. I was watching basketball. Kwame had just pulled <laughs> off a sick block and then the dumb pack 12 refs thought it might be goaltending that they're, yeah. they're dumb. He uh, was also, and, and he wasn't the only one. There were, there were a couple big man touchdowns from our, uh, from our offensive line recruits, but Devin Brooks took a screen pass. Yes. For, for a touchdown. Yes. Very exciting. <laughs> Uh, and then last one, another, uh, local, uh, uh, kid from Salem, uh, Trent Ferguson or Trenton Ferguson, Trenton Ferguson. Yes. Uh, who I don't believe is related to the current T Ferg. Um, just a strange coincidence. Um, uh, uh, another, uh, offensive tackle, obviously six, seven. Um, uh, what'd you see? This guy, he's got freakishly long arms. Yes, he's six seven, but this guy has like a nine foot wingspan. Yeah, he he was slapping aside people that other people should have been blocking. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, this this is a guy that lines up at left tackle and can slap the nose guard. Just <laughs> there isn't anyone out of reach. Um, you know, yeah, it was funny, like, like he was sort of not on the radar screen of, uh, of a lot of, uh, of a lot of services. And then he sort of like was shooting up the, uh, of the recruiting rankings late. Um, but you know, Oregon was already on him, you know, it was like Oregon identified him early, you know, possibly cause he's a backyard kid, but just like, yeah, Oregon had him locked up early and, and yeah, you know, good recruiting coup. I, I dig it. Yeah, any anytime you can uh, you can pick up hometown kids, um, hometown Salem being hometown, but yeah, he's yeah. he's another just big body, you know. And it's funny as you know, as tall as he is, he's actually light, you know, six seven, only three hundred pounds. Yeah, um, so he's one of those ones that might actually be able to add good weight and. Yeah, he's, he's he's yeah, he doesn't really need to ditch any you know bad weight like that's just like yeah just just uh you know muscle 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 time yeah you know and he was also a basketball player mm-hmm. if i remember correctly uh 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. So they're loaded up at, at at offensive tackles. You know, they're you know, no doubt at least one of these guys is going to be a starter, potentially two, um, and, and potentially like two with a backup. You know, mm-hmm. going into twenty twenty five, like uh, you, you know, it'll be you know be something along those lines. Rule of rule of thirds means. You know, what What did I just say? If you need one, get three, mm-hmm. you know, hey, they got three, you know, so so they more or less guarantee themselves a starter out of this. Uh, they more or less guarantee themselves a, you know, a decent backup, you know, out of this. And if they're lucky, you know, t- two guys will be a, a, a starting caliber. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, again, that would require some luck, but you know, yeah. And, and because they're all, you know, highly, you know, highly rated with good bodies for it, like the, the guy that they do get to be, you know, starter will be like, you know, go get you a championship caliber starter or not, not just a, like, he'll be serviceable starter. Yeah. So like, yeah, I dig it. Um, so yeah, good pretty pretty good class and i also like unlike a certain coach to the south you know oregon did draw a line around the state you know got everybody who's worth getting you know in the state and it's local suburb vancouver washington uh the other uh oregon commit was um was the tight end uh um uh uh whose name is escaping right now um <laughs> come on you'll get there uh, Solipaga, Solipaga. Solipaga, right? Um, Solipaga was Utah. Sorry. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, Pugliano. Yeah, from Medford. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of local folks. I dig it. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We will uh, talk about your article about nil. So for some reason, I, I allowed you to write another article about the nil uh, uh, program. Um, uh, this one was about the uh, the the thesis that uh, teens will be uh, exceeding the eighty five uh, scholarship uh, limit by essentially paying walk ons, right? Correct. Um, the The NCAA did not did not actually establish scholarship limits until nineteen seventy three, um, which at the time was one hundred and five, and it went down to the current limit in nineteen ninety two. So. Uh, any national title before 1973, I no longer count because schools could have as many players on roster as they could afford to give scholarships to. Um, so 100, 150 didn't matter. The, some of those squads were absolutely massive. And with NIL and the NCAA now saying, hey, schools can pay students directly for their name, image, and likeness. They don't actually have, well, considering it, it's a proposal. Um, you could say, hey, come play for me. You're going to be a walk-on, but you're going to get a million dollars from the school. Um, so you can you know, pay tuition and housing and all those other things. And then that frees up a roster spot so we can go and sign a recruit you know, <laughs> to, to fill out our squad. So now... You know, walk-ons join the team, you know, for fall camp or whenever it is. And all of a sudden the roster goes from the 85 scholarship players to, you know, 112. I mean, it, of course you would need to somehow pay them enough in order to attend school yeah, uh, and still be worth their while. It's a big paycheck. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know it'll, if it'll ever get to the point, you know, that that it really goes nuts in that way. And I sort of suspect that, like, this is a, a part of of what, you know, Charlie Baker's proposal, you know, uh, about sort of breaking football away from the rest of the NCAA is about is like actually coming up with like real, you know, real limits to regulate the, you know, this sort of stuff, because that is sort of like a nightmare scenario. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, But uh, as sort of fanciful as that is, it does, you know, point out like, you know, we're still in many ways in, even as things have sort of calmed down a bit, we're still in the wild west of this stuff. We're still in the phase in which people are sort of figuring out, 
how exactly is this going to work? Because if you recall, like, you know, we went through a, a phase in which there were just like bonkers amount of money being lined up for like quarterbacks. Um, and then they would like, you know, they'd take the money and run. And then, you know, the, the, these boosters would be like, wait a minute, what just happened? You know, and now are you, you know, talking at, about Miami in the 90s? Or are you talking about with current NIL? I'm talking about like two years ago. Okay. And like things have sort of settled down a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but even then, like it still hasn't fully rationalized because you don't have sort of like, you know, pay scales. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you, you, you know, like this still isn't the NFL where there's like, you know, salary, caps and like it's spelled out in contracts and so forth right like it's still there's still no mar- market rationalization <laughs> it's still not a mature market it's nowhere no. close to being a mature market um and there's still a, you know and it's still not a transparent market there's still no you know collective bargaining power um like you know n- none of the things that would you know be necessary for it to be like a, a mature labor market are, are actually in place um and so like it alternates sort of back and forth between being a buyer's and a seller's market in ways that are sort of, uh, well, indicative of it being immature. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 you know, the, I, I guess from, from my perspective, the, the two things that sort of get under my skin and I know that there's stuff getting under your skin because you have now written two articles about it. (laughs) Uh, it, Number one is that like the extent to which this could be corrosive of, um, of like teamwork, you know, where it's like, Hey, I'm getting paid $2 million and you're getting paid nothing. And I need you to play just as hard as I am. Like, how exactly does that you know how exactly am i expecting you to do that um and and the other thing is just the way that the the way that fans engage with recruiting you know like the the way that the way that fans engage with the the how recruiting is done is like it all just gets dismissed as being purely mercenary which i really don't think is true but it's like a real easy coping mechanism for, you know, Oh, we, you know, we, we, we lost that recruiting battle. He got paid like, okay. You know, money's involved. It's always been involved. It used to be beneath the table, you know, but like the only reason anyone ever came to Oregon is because of Phil Knight and his Nike money. Right. Exactly. Which I mean, like, obviously that stuff, like you hear that a lot as an Oregon fan, but I mean, it's, I mean, it, hey, look, man, there's a bunch of schools, you know, that hear that line. It's the line that you that, you know, every school that's ever lost a recruit, you know, their fan base is all over that. I, I'm not really concerned about what other fans, you know, lie to themselves or, or complain about or whatever. Uh, I, I I just like having good conversations and sort of, you know, uh, dumb emotional coping mechanisms are the enemy of good conversations. Uh, the, 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 you know, to me, it seems obvious that the things that given that money has always been involved, you know, the bag man's always been there. (coughs) Uh, the things that have always you know, turn the trick in recruiting, you know, have, have been, fit for the program opportunities to win and connection, you know, with the coaching staff, like, you know, and, and and yeah, like the the money sort of is a box that needs to get checked, you know? So if like program a is offering $75,000 and program B is offering $750,000, like, okay, you know, I'm probably not going to consider program a they're paying me you know a a tenth of what i'm worth according to the market um but like you know if program c comes along and is and is offering me seven hundred thousand dollars like okay close enough you know and if program c is a better fit for me 
you know, when I, I, I work together with that coaching, like the, the, I'm going to get more playing time there, or, you know, the, if I'm a wide receiver and they run a system that's more conducive to me making the NFL out of that program, you know, like I don't care about the 50 K compared to my lifetime earnings of making the NFL or what mm-hmm. I can talk myself into believing about that. It's like, you know, the, 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 yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, to the extent that that anybody wants to talk about recruiting as a means of understanding how different players of different physical builds and capabilities fit into different programs with different strategies like this is it's so multifaceted it's why college football is so fascinating it's even more fascinating than the nfl in which you get to do it on a command economy basis right you just draft people or you just trade them right college football is not a command economy it's so the meta to college football is even more complex than the NFL, which is why I find it to be even more fascinating. Like, and to the extent that you want to have, you know, conversations about recruiting as proxies for fit into different systems or vice versa systems uh, that you run because I can recruit this type of player, but not that type of player, or this type of player is easier for me to get, but this type of player uh, commands too high of a market value and I can't get them. Like that's why air raid programs happen at Texas techs and wazoos, et cetera, because they can get that type of offensive lineman. Well, what is that type of offensive lineman? They're battleships who don't run block. Hmm. What does that mean? And so you can discuss body types, recruiting systems, all in this interconnected way. And if you just want to blow up all of that by saying money, it's all money, you know, and stick your fingers in your ears and just say money, money, money. That's all, you know, that's all that's going on here. It's like you, not not only are you lying to yourself, which means you're a fool, but you have, you've clued yourself off to the far more interesting, you know, set of conversations. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. If you, I mean, I know you read my article because you commented on it and made me fix some parts of it. You know, I, I don't think that the only reason anyone's going anywhere is because of money. Oh, I sure. think that I think that all of the nuances of college recruiting are still going to be there. And I think that NIL adds a new, you know, it adds that capitalist market that at some point should stabilize. And I even said that at some point there will just be a price, you know, mm-hmm. for the, for the top the price percent. transparency. They'll just yeah. publish a call sheet. Yeah, you know, there, there's there's how many? 32 five stars every class? Yes, that's how, and 247. Yeah. So 247 so, does it, yeah. So those 32 five stars will have a price tag, you know, and, and they may not mm-hmm. go where, you know, and it's like, oh, well, there'll be some negotiation where, you know, you're not going to, if you want to play for this guy who's put, you know, 15 receivers in the NFL in the last five years, we're not going to pay you as much. Um, that that because they have 10 other guys oh, behind you that want to hey come. man does does usc need to offer more because of cost of living maybe then, you know that then then uh ohio state does because cost of living is higher in los angeles than it is in columbus yeah i mean and that's that's a thing the the average uh cost for tuition you know or rather for a year in college is like thirty six thousand dollars. I I spent way too much time digging into this, seeing if it made a difference mm-hmm. whether they were D one. But if you just average it out to fifty thousand dollars for tuition, housing, food, you know, maybe some other fun perks, um, fifty thousand dollars is not a lot of money coming out of an athletic budget for a player. You know, if if they're not taking Co- compared to the off. value that they bring to the university, exactly. Not. Now, so what I now we switch what, over from capitalism to Marxism. Yeah. So what my what my latest rant is about is that you have the possibility of bypassing roster limits by getting extra players, and and it may be that those extra players are not necessarily the top tier guys. You know, but maybe mm-hmm. if you you need some some role players, some depth guys, and you're like, hey, you know, 
you're not going to earn NIL money because you're not a top tier talent, but I don't have a roster slot for a, you know, a seventh offensive tackle, but our, we, you know, you want a seventh offensive tackle. Well, it's 50, it's 50 grand. You, you pay well, it 50 grand to come walk on who happens to be the best three-star offensive tackle, you know, and in case or, anybody thinks this is too fanciful, we have already seen a version of this, you know, this week during bowl season in the Minnesota versus Bowling Green uh, bowl game. Um, Minnesota didn't have a quarterback. They're <laughs> like backup, backup, backup quarterback uh, was all, you know, was, you know, set to to it was like i'm done i'm done with school i'm gonna go get married and start my life uh and uh and, and but then they were like oh hey we need you to um play in this bowl game so we're gonna slap together an nil package to effectively bribe you to play for us so that we can be in this bowl game because minnesota was a five and seven team and they only got in because of the apr thing yeah. don't maybe explain that uh and uh, so they were like, surprise, you get to play in a bowl game, Minnesota. And they were like, oh, shoot, we need a quarterback. Hey, dude, like, could you um, like put off your wedding for a little bit and uh, we'll put together a dowry for you uh, <laughs> in NIL money? And then the the commentators were super leery about his fiance, which was not cool. Uh, it was very Musburger-esque. Anyway, uh, that's uh, a different commentary for a different day. Uh, anyway, like. Yeah, man, like, you know, hey, NIL, not just for giving a couple million dollars to uh, your headliner recruit. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the, the possibility is, you know, uh, maybe you see a situation where someone's like, wait, you you signed three, you know, quarterbacks in one class. Why, why would I stick around? It's like, well, we, we signed two developmental guys and, and another guy to come in and compete, but we want you to stick around. So mm-hmm. we'll pay yeah. you to stick around. Even yeah. If you don't play. We'll pay, pay you a bit to be a depth guy, you know, as a just in case. Yeah. yeah. But Not- we're over our scholarship limit. So we're just going to pay for your college while we're at it, you know, um, or, or a last minute thing. You know, like, hey, we got into trouble, you know, or or what's what's the thing in hockey? You know, the emergency backup goalie, you know, like you're you're just an accountant or the guy who drives the uh, the Zamboni, Zamboni. (laughs) the Oregon player. You never know. You know, we might uh, we might just need you. All right. Uh, uh, Oregon is defeated. Uh, Southern Cal in basketball and uh, the Arizona Oklahoma bowl game is back, which means it's time for me to, to sign off and to watch uh, sports. Um, the, <laughs> so I think we'll, we'll, we'll stop it there. Uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Kevin? Um, don't, don't transfer, <laughs> stick it out. Things mm-hmm. get better. Hmm. Unless yeah. they make you right for bat, right. Basketball coverage. Uh, yeah, uh, unless you're a, a pretty good quarterback, um, in, in which case come to Oregon, right? Like, yeah, wait, well, you know, we got a couple of them now, so I, I can think of, I can think of four, um, yeah, uh, uh, more if you can't Juco's, uh, all right. Uh, so th- th- those weren't very wise, uh, words, Kevin. Uh, I don't, I'm out of wisdom. All it's, right. it's almost new year's. Happy right. New time, Year, everyone. Time for drinking. Uh, those are always good words. Uh, I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and uh, a Happy New Year. Uh, we're on the third day of Kwanzaa uh, to those who celebrate. Um, uh, uh, the the days uh, get lighter from here. Uh, uh, the, the, cl- the clouds clear up and it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>